right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Before we get rolling here, I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to buckle my seatbelt in before I read this because the last time that we uh, had a chat about Callaway's Chrome Soft Golf Ball, uh, we talked about the Callaway Golf Ball documentary that aired on the Golf Channel. And do you remember what episode that one was in? If you said the Peter Costas episode, you're correct. So hopefully this one goes as viral as that one does. Uh, not sure that it will. It's a little bit not quite the same takes. Um, but Callaway's 2020 Chrome Soft is a new take on a rapidly growing favorite. They are the fastest growing major golf brand since 2013. And they took the uh, golf ball brand, excuse me, and they took the Chrome Soft Broke it down, broke down the process and the ingredients used to create the four different layers that make up the golf ball. And with the help, they made a massive investment in their Massachusetts golf ball plant. And they reconstructed and are producing the ball in ways that make it faster and longer than ever before. Still while maintaining the characteristic great feel and outstanding short game control. And on top of that, this is some news the 2020 Chrome Soft is now available with triple track technology. If you haven't already heard, 88% of golfers are better aligned when using a ball with triple track technology. 88% of the time, it works every time. So find out more about the Chrome Soft 2020 at CallawayGolf.com. Now let's roll into our podcast with Cam Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here. We are uh, tag team in this one. TC is in the house here tonight in the Kill House. Hello, Solly. And first time guest, first time visitor in the Kill House, uh, Mr. <laughs> Cam Smith, our neighbor somewhat. Yeah. Jacksonville guy. What brought you to Jacksonville? I don't know if I ever heard that story. Bit of a, I mean, bit of a weird story. Uh, my caddy, uh, Pinner, he... He used to live in the area. He uh, roomed with Jonas Blixt. Yeah, so I just come back here. I decided not to go home, back to Brisbane one time and come and hung out here, and I liked it. And Was this like one of your first times in the States, coming here? You hung out in Jacksonville and liked it? Uh, no, this is probably my second year on tour. So I'd never, never been to Jacksonville before. I just come out, hung out, went to the beaches, went to the beach bars. It was fun, so I decided to stay. What was, what, how did you get acclimated to the U.S., right? You turned pro when you were 19 years old. What was, you, you moved to the States with no status, if I understand right, and just, and just wing it? I didn't move to the States. I was traveling back and forth gotcha. from Australia. My first uh, kind of time over here was getting sponsors exemptions uh, through the PGA Tour and just decided to see how it went. Before we get too far in, uh, we're, we're just going to start right with the hardest one. We gotta have. It's why people screws to him. It's why people are tuning. They're gonna tune into this. Wanted to know about the Patrick Reed situation. We gotta ask. Uh, what What can you tell us about that situation? <laughs> not, not not much. The look uh, on his face as soon as we asked. <laughs> no comment. I'm just yeah. here so I don't get fined. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, I can't really say much about it. Can you um, Can you say what the tour said to you about it? No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Can you say, have you guys crossed paths since then? And what's the, kind of the interaction been like? He's been not too bad about it. We, uh, we had a play meeting at Torrey Pines at the start of the year and he, uh, he congratulated me for my win and we shook hands and that was about it. All right. Yeah. So it's, is it bygones? You're, everything's good. You think going forward or this is fair. I, you're not going to get in trouble for I that. Just, yeah. yeah I don't really know how to handle the situation to be honest. I've seen him around, a truckload since then and 
and you're yeah, getting it's, it's just been kind of awkward so i've just i've just left it i'm happy with where it's at so 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 stop asking questions about it <laughs> that's what that, that's what that look that's what that look says to me well i do want to talk uh, a lot about the president's cup and I, I want to know, I, I've got like 50 questions about the President's Cup, but <laughs> can we go ahead? Can we actually save the President's Cup stuff? Sure. And go, go back because I want to talk to you like a little bit more about coming over here to the States. Was your first sponsor exemption on tour? That was the CIMB Classic. You yeah, had a couple that, of Corn Ferry, right? I had a couple of Corn Ferry events. That was when I first turned pro. I think I maybe played one or two sponsors exemptions and I tried to qualify and never, never managed to get through. Me and my, my old man were over here for probably about, Two months just hanging out, yeah, seeing what we could do, and it didn't didn't quite go the way that I planned. And I ended up going to Asian Q School the following year, got my card, and then that's how I got my uh, spot in the CIMB because okay. uh, it was like top ten on the Asian Tour money list or whatever. Got it, got a spot in that field. And then you finished T five there. T five, yeah. And you were off to the races after that, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That was uh, that was my first one. I had my coach on my bag. Obviously, playing in Asia for you know that whole year probably a little bit of an advantage, but I played really solid. And then yeah, top ten got in the next week, which I think was Jackson, Mississippi, and I was buggered. I just remember being so tired that week uh, from the jet lag. So, but come back, got a few more sponsors exemptions, and yeah, from there on out, it was pretty solid. When you turned pro at nineteen, you I remember reading about how you felt like you had accomplished everything you needed to in the amateur game. What were your other options? Did you have options to play college golf in the States? Was that of no interest to you or were you just, why turn pro at 19? Yeah, I, I didn't want to do the whole college thing. My, uh, my high school teacher actually told me that I was too smart for college. Um, <laughs> really? <No. laughs> I, like, I, had you going, I had you going there. Uh, <laughs> it was no, very yeah. deadpan. I'm like, wait a second here. <laughs> No, I just didn't want to go that route. I felt like I had all the resources, um, all the stuff I needed at home, and, you know, stuff was going well, so so why change it? Yeah, so I stayed at home, worked at my uncle's bar, and kept practicing golf. What is, I mean, were you at all apprehensive about what the leap was going to be like from amateur golf to pro golf, or you, or you just felt exactly confident about where your game was going to be? Because it's got to be hard uh, to do with no status. That's the, the part that, you know, I always, yeah. when guys have no status, the strategies, I didn't even know about the Asian Q school. Like the, the things that people will do to get starts though is, are remarkable to me. Yeah. It was definitely like, a, it, it kind of held me back a little bit. Uh, you know, just the depth of field, even in Asia, um, I felt like I had to play really good week in, week out to, to make cuts. And, you know, Asia ended up being probably one of the best things I ever did with my with my golf. I gained a lot of confidence from there, played a lot of good golf, played on a lot of different surfaces, a lot of different conditions. How long did you play over there? I think it was just over a year. It wasn't really that long, but it was a really good stepping stone, doing all the stuff that I had to do, travel, uh, visas, all that, all that crap. Um, Were you doing all that stuff on your own? I had an agent helping me out, but... That makes a big difference. It does make a big yeah. difference, yeah. Yeah, so they've been great as well. But, yeah, it was it was great going over there. Were there any moments of, like, what the hell did I get myself into in a random country and, and somewhere you weren't supposed to be or anything like that? Not really. It was uh, it was all pretty smooth, to be honest. I'd, I've always enjoyed challenges. Whenever, whenever something pops up and it seems like it's too much of a leap, I always enjoy that challenge and, you know, try and live up to it. Would you say it was always, always a goal for you to play PGA Tour? Like that was the top of the totem pole? 
Yeah. So when you're playing the Australasia tour, so were you, was there like a realistic timeline of when you thought you would be transitioning to the tour and where you was like living in Australia, was that holding you back in any way? No, I don't think so. I was just happy with, with what I was doing. I was happy with the progress we were making within my team and probably happened a lot quicker than I thought it would, but there was no real timeline. There was no real stress. I was just happy. You know, doing playing golf and making a living out of it. As someone that turned pro at a young age, what do you think of, and I'm not sure how, how closely you've followed this, but somebody like Akshay Batia, he turned pro at, at 17 as soon as he left high school, didn't go to college. What What is your kind of, re- and, you know, he hasn't had much success so far. He's obviously still incredibly young. But what's kind of your reaction? As someone that turned pro young, what kind of challenges did you face in that regard? And what do you think of somebody like that? Yeah, I mean, if you're confident and you think you're ready to go, then why not? If you've got the right systems in place and you've got the right people around you, there's no reason why it shouldn't work. You just got to, you know, some, sometimes it is tough. You just got to keep grinding away and, yeah, like I said, just trust the process. What did you work on? What was the biggest difference you noticed from Asian Tour to PGA Tour, just as far as your game? The biggest one was how far I had to hit driver. I mean, I was getting real sick of hitting, you know, four irons and three irons into par par fours out out here. And so that was something we worked on pretty much straight away. Used to have a negative angle of attack with driver, so we switched that around a little bit uh, with technique and then obviously some, some time in the gym as well. Was that evident to you just upon playing the golf courses that this the type of golf in the States required you to hit it that much further? Yeah, I think so. You, but the trick is you got to hit it long and straight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, you know, for the distance that I'm hitting it, even now, I still have to be really straight off the tee, off the tee to be competitive. Well, for those that you know, the distance is a is a hot topic in golf. But for someone like you grew up playing in Australia, compare what it's like. Why? What makes the golf courses so different than what you were used to seeing to that point to playing at the top level of the PGA Tour? And going uh, back to like what, so you're from Brisbane. What's the golf like up there versus rubbish? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny, actually. A lot of the Aussie guys that are on tour are from Queensland and from Brisbane. We've probably got some of the worst golf courses, <laughs> you know, in in Australia. So, not to say we don't have some good ones, but I mean, like I I grew up, you know, playing on some r- pretty rubbish uh, country tracks and playing off different lies out of different grass, you know, stuff like that, and I think that's maybe got something to do with uh, why a few of the guys turn out pretty good is because they're, you know, from such a young age, they're just ready to play from whatever lie, whatever condition they have the shot. Is some of that just because it's so f- it's so hot up there in Brisbane, where yeah, it's, it's, it's just hot. firm and, and yeah. baked out all the time? Yeah, hot and dry. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So does that contribute to when you're growing up not feeling like you needed to bomb it with the driver, yeah, you think? That's yeah, that's right. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I was, I thought it was pretty long when I was, you know, 15, 16 years well, old. Yeah, when it rolls 100 yards, yeah, you feel right. pretty long. Yeah, you're rolling it, yeah, at least 40 meters, mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's... And then, so you come over to the tour and you see balls start to stick in the fairways and stuff, yeah. and guys are blowing it past you. Uh, so did, it, did you have any idea that you had, like, a negative attack angle or anything with TrackMan? Or when did you start getting into um, that? Yeah, we kind of did, but like I said before, we just didn't think that it was all going to happen so quickly it was kind of a a step we had to make anyway but you know with getting my card you know so quickly 
it all have to, had to happen a little bit quicker than what we anticipated. Oh, poor guy. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> well, how did you get your card? So talk us through kind of what would you consider your big break and what was your path to actually getting your card? Yeah, so I think the, the big one uh, still for me is that CIMB, uh, the first one, uh, first PGA Tour event, uh, finishing fifth. Obviously a massive confidence booster playing against some, you know, a really good field. Did that help you get, help you continue to get starts that year? So I didn't have, uh, I wasn't guaranteed starts before that event. I think uh, Maya Cobra was going to give me a start and that was it. Um, and then as soon as that happened, um, we had a few people knocking on the door, which is nice and, you know, willing to give up a spot for me, which is even better. Any doubts after you had four, four missed cuts in a row after CIMB? Mm. Any doubts creep in after that or just stay the course? A little bit. Obviously, Malaysia was a no-cut event, so there's kind of no pressure. You just kind of go out there and see what you can do and, you know, only against 77 other guys. So, you know, you double that and you're playing against 144 of the best players in the world. It's pretty tough. It's amazing to me how much you guys will reference no-cut events and how freed up you, you feel on even the best players. Like, oh, there's no cut this week. Like, how much better that makes you feel? What makes a no-cut event that much better? I mean, I know guaranteed money is a very nice thing when you go to tee it up, I, but I at a certain point, like, last place money is not great either, you know? Yeah, that's right. And the points aren't great either. Right. It's just less guys making making birdies, though, right? It's just less. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just a numbers I, I game. I guess it's like if there's a cut, I think – and you've got a bit of you've got away to a bit of a crappy start, maybe two or three over through nine holes. You feel like it can still blow out extremely, so you're still kind of like, "Oh no, I won't do that. I'll just keep my game plan, keep going, middle of the greens, stuff like that. It will turn around." Whereas those no cut events, you get off to a crappy start, and you're like, "Oh shit, I'm going for it." <laughs> so yeah, just a little bit freer, I think. I'd, there's no rhyme or reason. I don't think maybe just a little bit of a mental thing. Yeah, I just uh, it blows my mind that even the even the top players that are making a lot of cuts just are, are feel so much more freed up <laughs> on no cut weeks. But so take us to 2015 U.S. Open. First of all, how'd you get into the U.S. Open? Can't even remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this was, was your playing, first major. I was right? playing up at Memorial, and then they have the U.S. Open qualifier straight after the event. Was so, that Brookside and yeah, they shuffle courses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Went out there the day after. Uh, we had a rain delay. It was maybe like three or four back. And then I had six or seven holes left, and I made, I think, four birdies in the last really? six. Yeah. <laughs> to get so in the U.S. To Open. To get into U.S. Open, and then ended up having a good week. And a good, got, yeah, you finished tied for four. <laughs> had a good yeah. week. 70, 70, 69, 68. Got better <laughs> as the week went along. Too. What did you, I mean, when you saw that golf course, Chambers Bay, was it, was it one, did it kind of remind you of some of the baked out? Uh, styles was, of back home it was back there yeah. yeah yeah it was pretty crazy because <laughs> a lot of complaining was, happened that week yeah, you weren't the, one of them or you were i was just happy to be there yeah it was my first major i thought it was the best place in the world there was a lot of i mean it did r remind me a little bit of australia probably a little bit more undulation as far as up and downs into greens um off the tees and stuff like that but yeah, i thought it was a good golf course have you always relished playing a course like playing playing the ball on the ground and knowing that you know half the field is already beat in their own heads because yeah. they don't like to do that or they, yeah. they feel like it's unfair do you do you kind of look at that and be like all right cool i'm, I'm yeah. already ahead of the game here yeah i love that I, th I think that's a bit of an australian thing growing up in those conditions you you learn pretty pretty early to you know hit some different shots into greens yeah 
Well, let's take a quick break. We don't even need to take a break. We're going to do this live because uh, if you're watching or listening to this, episode six of season five <laughs> of Taurus Sauce, uh, the Carolinas, Pinehurst number three, has premiered uh, on YouTube. Uh, this season is presented by our partner, Original Penguin, who also is a partner of yours. So, but what, what's it? Which what is, is kind of coincidental. I just saw Cam at the coffee yeah. shop the other day and said, hey, you want to come on the pod? This is not scheduled actually this way. But, uh, well, I, I want to hear, we, we've been talking a lot about what we've been uh, rocking from Original Penguin. So how do you how do you come about with, uh, with your gear from Original Penguin? I love it. I think it's great. The guys at Original Penguin are always, you know, really nice to me. They're willing to do whatever. They give you the mega logos. You got the yeah. big logo. We get the small we, logos. I think they call it like... Um, because uh, yeah. it's Pete the Penguin, it's like a big penguin. I, I forget what they call it anyway. Okay. But you can see it from the space station, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> it's a good yeah, fit they, for good. you, too. Yeah. yeah. That slim fit. It's it's kind of cool that um, I'm the only guy on tour as well that's wearing it, so I kind of feel a bit... Well, DJ Trahan uh, popped up in it in the fall. I don't know if you know really? that. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. So I don't know if you are still the only guy that wears oh. it, but... Make sure you guys are going by our YouTube channel to see the latest episode of that and swing by originalpenguin.com. Go to originalpenguin.com slash NLU30 and you can get 30% off your first order with them. They'll send you an email with a code. Uh, and a lot of people have been asking for the discount codes and they came through for us. So go out and support them. If you were asking for the code, uh, go use it. So without any further delay, let's get back to our podcast episode with Kim's. <laughs> that was Cam's quick. Was, so uh, Cam, <laughs> talking about just Going back to Australia, when did you know, like you won the uh, Australian Boys Amateur 2011? Before that, were you a known quantity in Australia, or was that kind of a surprise? And you, you were, you're like, oh shit, like I'm a proper <laughs> player. <laughs> There's a future in this. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was, I think I was a pretty decent junior. Yeah, I remember going there that week. I think it was at Carnarvon Golf Club in Sydney, and. Yeah, I wanted to win, so I didn't think that there was any reason why I, sh I shouldn't win. Well, can we talk President's Cup now? Because especially <laughs> as related to Chambers Bay uh, and turf conditions, I just want to know when you saw Royal Melbourne that week, what was your what was your reaction when you saw how that was playing? I love that. The smile just I, came over your face so I, good right here. What was the first time you played Royal Melbourne? First time I played Royal Melbourne actually was the Master of the Amateurs probably only seven years ago. Okay. Um, but I've played it a fair bit since then. I love the golf course. It was the first time playing the the real composite course, but yeah, such it was, proper it was pronunciation. Just, yeah. Composite. Yeah. Com composite. We sound yeah. like we sound like assholes when we say composite. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was so cool. It couldn't have been any better. The the course was just amazing. Let's do the uh, the old Reddit. Explain like I'm five. Why why that sets up really well for a player like you. That kind that those kind of conditions on that golf course. You just. You just have to be, you just have to be nifty. That's why Tiger played so good there. Um, That's a good word. He just, nifty. He just has to, you have to hit the right shot. There's, it seems like for, you know, ninety percent of the shots out there, there's one right shot, and then you can be like that guy that's just like, oh no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to bail out, and but there's one perfect shot, and then if yeah. you're willing to hit it and you hit it good, I mean, the reward is massive. But if you if you don't, the you know you hit a bit of a bad shot, and that shot might be punished. different. It might be different day to day. Yeah, that's depending right. Depending on where the hole is. Yeah, depending on where the hole is, wind. I mean, so are, you, so are you very comfortable working the ball both ways? Yeah, not so much with driver, but um, pretty much everything else. You don't have to hit a lot of drivers around there, though, so it's it's nice. 
So walk us through just for, we're not going to do for this for all 18 holes, although I think I could, but walk us through <laughs> like that. The first hole was like one of my favorite holes to watch. What, yeah. what kind of considerations go into that hole? Cause we saw guys play it differently on a day-to-day basis based on where that pin is. So kind of give us an insight as to how you're thinking about that. Yeah, first so hole. the first hole, it was downwind all week, dog leg left. If the pin is on the left-hand side, as you look from the approach, you actually want to be further down. You're hitting more up into the hill, like in almost like back into the wind. And if that pin's tucked over the bunker there on the right or up the back, you generally try and lay back and see how you can go from there. Are there a lot of holes that you play on the PGA Tour on a week-to-week basis that you got to play them that differently on a day-to-day basis? No. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite hole out there? Yeah, that's definitely one of them. I like the second... That's good. <laughs> I mean, like, you could just go along. Five and six are really yeah. good. There's probably not a bad hole out there. I think uh, the hole we played, 10, I think they could change. You know, the, the fairways goes left to right, and the slope is from right to left quite severely. So it's a bit of a – especially where the wind was, I think they could maybe do something with that, just flatten out that left side a little bit just so – you don't hit a good shot in it. You know, you get a bit of a bad kick and you're in a tea tree. So well, what I think w- that's it. The what was trees. the tea tree? God, we need that word. I'm, I'm dying to go back to Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> Just talking about it got me excited about it. What was the what was the preparation process like for the international team and the messaging for the coaches about strategy for that golf course? Was it something that they came in with kind of a suggested blueprint and gave to you guys, or how, how did that work? Yeah, I think the, the captain's – did a really good job. They they split Scotty, Leash, and I up for the practice rounds, one in each group. You know, there was obviously a few other guys that had been there a fair few times just so we could give some, like, general knowledge, um, like like that first hole, for example. Like, if, if you haven't played there a bunch of times, you don't know to hit it long, and um, that's kind of something you figure out over time. So, yeah, we did that. But from there on out, I mean... It was it was so cruisy. Ernie had everything down pat. He he knew what he was going to do on Saturday or Monday. So, because it looked like it's to fun. us that the international team had a strategy to play that course, and it took until basically Saturday until the U. It looked like the U.S. Yeah. team had their strategy. It seemed out. like yeah. Ernie had been, like basically said, "Cool, if you hit driver on one, like I'm going to sit you in the afternoon." <laughs> <laughs> say, were there any teammates you had that maybe didn't listen very well to the captains? <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> You, you're gonna put me in a pile of shit. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, no, I think we. It was a really good week. Um, even the older guys said that was one of the best Presidents Cup weeks that they had. So it was good. You know, as golfers, we don't get to play like that very often, and we bonded as a team really well. So it was, was it tough week. to sit that first session? It was so. Or you just it chomp was so at the bit. Yeah, it was so hard. Uh, I remember going out and watching the first match um, on the first tee, and I just wanted to hit that. I just wanted to hit it. But it was good watching. So that might I've help with the nerves a little bit. Yeah, I've never enjoyed watching golf so much, especially around that golf course and you know that team environment. It was so cool. See, that's where I think in this. This is coming just from an American standpoint, but I almost enjoy watching the Presidents Cup more than the Ryder Cup. Almost, I said, uh, well, just because I'm, I'm, well, I'm listening, listening because I'm not as tied to the result. I mean, for Americans, they've dominated for so long as a fan. I just I don't have the same rooting interest. But I'm curious as to, I mean, I just I just love watching team golf. But I want to know from you being from Australia, and, and obviously you don't get to compete in the Ryder Cup, and this is the the team event that you would look forward to every two years, what the competition aspect of it means to you. That's kind of an open-ended question, but 
I have a feeling it means more than it probably does to a lot of American players. I guess so. I, I think maybe there's a little bit of drive there from all the guys. You know, I know for me, I, I grew up watching the internationals lose. And to have an opportunity to try and turn that around, I think, was a, a massive goal, obviously. But I just love that team aspect. I grew up playing team sports, you know, cricket, footy, stuff like that. So it was just so cool playing for someone else, not just worrying about yourself and your own life. You worried about the, you know, three or four other matches that are out there and you're all... You know, you're barracking for them. You're looking at the leaderboards, you know, for other people. So it's cool. Do you feel disadvantaged at all with how international the team is and how there's not, like, a sense of identity? Like, Europe has this. U.S. has this identity with the continent and the country, obviously. The, rest, you, of, the rest of the world, you, but yeah. <laughs> minus Europe. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a bit kind of wonky how they structure the teams. Do you feel that that is a disadvantage in any way? I don't think so. I think Ernie did a, a great thing in changing our emblem. Just so we had our national flag um, on the chest or on the bag, it, it was. So, yeah, it gives you something to look at and, you know, you're representing your country as well as as well as well the rest of the world. What did the stats say or all the analytics say that uh, – because you played with Sungjae twice. What particularly matched you guys up? What did Ernie really key on there that said <laughs> – I think you could pair Sungjae with any person <laughs> in the world and he, he would be fine. Yeah, tell us everything I, you can about Sungjae. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really don't know. I just chose to kind of sit out and do as I was told. I was like the little school kid. My first time there, I didn't want to butt in or, you know, say anything. So, But Sungjae and I teamed up real good. Um, he's such a good player. Quite amazing, especially in the practice rounds. I mean, we paired up in the practice rounds as well and you'd be like... Sungjae hit it at the blue crane or whatever and it would like start at the blue crane and like fight <laughs> against the wind to like land perfectly on the blue crane and then like it's just like it's insane. Did you um, know him well before the President's Cup? I'd seen him around. We obviously had team meetings and stuff like that. Yeah, he, he's a good kid as well. He doesn't speak a lot of English so he's hard to talk to at times. But um, How does that work on course? Like Telling him he, where to hit it or horse he, management. Yeah, he dis- he understands the, you know, the little things, and he's just such a good player. You could, I mean, you could tell him to hit driver around that golf course, which you would never do, and he'd still shoot under par. Because I mean, as you, I don't know what your world ranking is right now, but it's very high. But as one of the best players in the world, what when you say he's such a good player, what impresses you about other players when other guys can do certain things? What is it that really impresses you? I think ball striking impresses me a lot. I've never thought I've been particularly good at, you know, the longer irons and driving and stuff like that. And you know, I see guys that are just striping, you know, four and three irons and stuff like that. And I'm like, I just can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so that really impresses me. Those longer irons where they can, you know, work it both ways, hit them high. What, uh, what would the PGA tour look like as far as playing style and who would be at the top if golf courses looked like Royal Melbourne every week? How different would it look, do you think? I don't think it would look that different. I think we saw it in a President's Cup. The good players just sort it out. They would just figure it out as to, you know, what shot to hit. Their course management would be better. Do you think players with your types of skill sets would have more of a chance? I agree with you that I think the top, like Kepka and Rory and all those guys are going to figure out how to be yeah. the best. Like they're going to get even better. Yeah, right? I, I, I don't have any doubt there, but do you feel like you, a player like yourself who – self-admittedly doesn't stripe the long irons in, in the woods as well as a lot of players would ha- would be on a more 
level playing field? I think we'd. It, I think it'd be a little bit more level. Yeah, I think. I think we'd see a lot of scores start to bunch up a lot. It'd be really fun to watch. I think. What are your favorite tournaments of the year that you really look forward to? You feel like it's it's a proper test of your game. I've always liked Hawaii. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was nice to obviously do that, but um, but it's relatively firm. There's always some yeah, wind. Yeah, it's, it was different this year actually. Hawaii. What was different about it this year versus? It was just yeah, we really can talk wet. Hawaii now. I mean, you can was, tell other yeah. courses that it's it was, time, it time to talk about PGA Tour win. <laughs> It was just so wet. I've never seen it like that. I mean, we got like five. That was my fifth one. And we got five or six days in a row of good solid rain. The course was, I mean, the course was a mess. Guys were walking off the back of greens. Um, you know how you get all in the same spot. It's like muddy ruts and stuff like that. And there was just nothing they could do about it. It was just raining so much. It was windy. Does all that, this this could be a very dumb question potentially, does all of that elements are going on, you know, with the weather, the crowds are smaller, there's just a lot going on. Does that help at all with the nerves coming down the stretch? Did it feel any smaller or did you feel any more distracted by all those other things that were going on? Did that help you at all to win the tournament? Not really. I, th- I think I didn't really think that I could win until I won. Like I was two back with two to go. I mean, any other week it seems like it'd be over. Yeah, got a bit fortunate I really thought, you know, with three or four to play that I'd have to make three or four birdies and only made one. So, yeah, things just fell into place and it was really weird. Like, I've been in contention around the lead a fair few times now and it's I've never felt like that. I've never felt like, oh, I'm done. Because, I mean, Steely was just striping it. He was putting good. Yeah, and then it, hmm. I mean, it was, just, it was just weird. So would that have helped you? The feeling of like almost feeling I, like you're done because uh, you're. I guess so. Yeah, it's like yeah. the it's like the the no cut event, man. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, did it feel? I mean, did it feel like your first PGA Tour win? Being that your other PGA yeah. Tour win was a team event, did that feel? That, was there any kind of extra incentive to get your first solo win? Yeah, for sure. There was um, incentive there. I still, I still claim the other one. Oh, it, it counts. <laughs> I'm just saying internally, yeah, was it kind of like a, okay, I need one of these. Yeah, two. I had, I mean, you just always got that voice in the back of your head, you know, saying, oh, you haven't won one by yourself yet. I mean, that's just totally internal. I had no one telling me that, yeah, something that was always there. And then to finally get it done, it was a huge relief. Your record at Sony is crazy. Like just going through it. I mean, there's like two or three rounds and above 69. <laughs> Like, oh really? Yeah, you're just always you're just like <laughs> 66, that's, 67, that's 68. Like, like that's kind of like golf courses that I grew up on. Yeah. Flat, firm, and fast. Where have you played so far on tour that you you would expect to have more success and you haven't yet? I mean, probably I've always really liked um, Hilton Head, and I've never really played well there. I think I may have had maybe one top ten there. But that I seemed like a good like in 2015. You had you, you were T15. That was your yeah. that was your made cut kind of before the yeah. the uh, US Open. But that's that's kind of always left a good taste in your mouth. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just one of those golf courses that I feel like you have to work the ball both ways. It's not really a bombers course, and you just need to you know chip and putt really well around there. So it's something that somewhere I've always been like, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm like I've got it good chance this week and it's never kind of really 
Voice played kind of solid, but not mm-hmm. not being crazy. Something you said there about about being in the back of your head, feeling like you needed that win. Did you catch what Paul, like Paul Azinger's comments on the telecast this past week about Tommy Fleetwood and how he hadn't won on the PGA Tour? No. no okay. Well, he had just said that it, it, it sparked a little bit of controversy because he, you know, Tommy <laughs> Fleetwood's got five European Tour wins, and he was kind of he was two much, of them against better fields than the one yeah, than Honda this past. I week. think three of them, but yeah. he was kind of a dick about it. And like, you can win all you want on that Euro <laughs> Tour, but until you've won on the PGA Tour, you know that's what that's what really counts. Was kind of the gist of it. Is there something to that? In that, like, I mean, in, you need to win on the PGA Tour. Is that a feeling that you feel like a lot of guys have and that you've had? I guess you know the way I view it is it's the it's the pinnacle. That's where you want to be and that's where you want to win. So, you know, no discredit to the European Tour. I've been over there. I think there's great players over there. There's great depth. Yeah, like you said, the strength of field. I mean, who who really knows? Right. Did you feel like you came into this season in with your game in better shape? We've seen like four or five guys from your team, the international team, win since December. Yeah. Did you feel like you guys all came into the season with in better shape because of the Presidents Cup at all? Did it? I think it was just so late in the year that we had to keep playing and we had to keep grinding away at our games. Usually that time of year, I mean, what was it like the second week of December? That time of year, I'm dialing it back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm yeah. on the beach in. Brisbane and on the Sunshine Coast, drinking a couple of beers. I mean, yeah, what's your schedule year to year? Like, do you go back for extended stretch of time? And obviously, you go back and play play Aussie PGA and yeah. and the Open down there. But do you stay there for you know typically till till Sony or how does your schedule? Um, yeah, I usually go down. Usually finishes the PGA, which usually finishes that first weekend in December, which is like you know second or third. I'll usually stay all the way through until Sony, but my missus now we have to uh, swap <laughs> Christmases, so <laughs> I have to Do make you, the occasional trip back for uh, for Christmas. Are you practicing a lot while you're down there, or are you taking time off? Usually there's about three weeks off, and I probably take two weeks good, like put the clubs away for good, and then you know even the week back is very slow. Does the how well you've played to start the year and the President's Cup has that changed the way you would uh, with all the way all the success these guys have had? No, you want to grind through yeah, December that's now. Right. I, don't, I don't even want to think of it because that's usually like the only time of the year that we right. get off. So, what would the perfect golf schedule look like to you? I mean, do you wish golf had an off season? It would be nice. Yeah, I'm one of those guys that I just like to spend time at home. I miss Australia. I'd love to go back there more often, but I just can't. And I'm not complaining. I I love what I do, and um, I love it over here, but yeah, it's no place like home. What surprised you about America, either the first time you came or once you started living here? What's something that's been weird to adjust to in some way? The Mexican food over here is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> that's Is that your go-to I mean, in every tour stop you go? You just, yeah, you just Mexican, go to the Mexican food? yeah. It's um, so funny. I asked Rory that on this, and he was like, yeah, uh, the, they're obs- everyone's obsession with guns. And you went straight <laughs> from Mexican food. <laughs> yeah, there's a few things that are culturally different, but I accept it, and I'm here with everyone else now. So, What do you miss the most about Australia? Uh, probably just family and beer. I think our beer is better down there. Oh, yeah? So your coffee's better, yeah. too. Coffee's better. You gonna, I mean, do you want to get your bull bean shot the, in here? The, well, yeah, I always see Cam at bull bean. <laughs> so within NLU, there's a big coffee rivalry between all the coffee shops here in town. I contend that bull bean is really the only proper coffee shop 
at least out here at the beaches and you the Ponte Vedra. He, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. I've been like five times and I've had a bad experience every day. I can't, oh my God. I can't, you can't even get a seat in there. That's because it's so good. No, because it's a terrible space. Every time I'm in there, I see I, I see Cam, Jack, yeah, Jonas. You guys are Maddie. all hogging up the seats. You don't leave any space for I, anybody else. I see Tim Fincham in there every once in a while. I do agree. The space could be different. I think they could have a bigger, yeah, a bigger space. But I mean, the the coffee, the coffee is unbelievable. Yeah, it's fine. That's it's pre- not that, unbelievable. That's pretty damning to your case. This it's, is a coffee aficionado. What, what coffee do you drink? I I just I drink dark black coffee. That's all. That's what I drink. So what do you drink, like Cam? I'm a pour over. Like I'll have anything. Yeah, I, I, I really like my pour overs. Have you tried a pour over from there? Yeah, I've had a pour over. Come yeah, on, yes, come on. It's good. It's it's totally good. It's it's not gonna like blow you. Who away. are your other coffee guys on tour? I know I know Hank Lebiota and then Curtis. He's down yeah, on Corn Kurt. Ferry this year, but yeah, there's a fair few guys that get around. Do you look um, up coffee spots for every, wherever I'm, you go? I'm sorted now. Yeah, yeah. you got every you got yeah. every every spot on tour. People are asking me where to go. Now, <laughs> yeah, and what cool. do you tell them? What's what are your what are your must hits on the on the tour schedule? I can't remember the one. In you can't you can't flex and say the, you're sorted and then not know the, the, the names. The of one it. in San Diego is Lofty, Lofty Coffee. Okay. Um, that's in I forget where it is. The one in where's next Phoenix? Yeah, Phoenix is um, Press. LA. I'm just curious to hear all the names LA of is, coffee places. LA is Blue Bottle. Yeah, Blue Bottle. And right in Santa Monica there? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. I don't know where I go to next. Um, just like probably be, just, here, here just is next. best of the year. Like uh, Matt, Maddie always swears by Columbus, the one up there at Memorial, um, be, because he stays one, downtown, one line, I guess. One line, that's cool. One line coffee. Sally, have you ever been there here from Columbus? I have not. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's from, on the main street, whatever the main street is in Columbus. Yeah, I, I grew up in the I grew up in the burbs. Come on, I <laughs> grew up know. right down the street from yeah, but if, from your field, yeah. So. If you're ever in a PGA Tour spot, just hit me up. Okay, that's good to you know. know. You go. We're gonna send everyone on Twitter to ask you for uh, the best uh, <laughs> the best places. I still got a few more Presidents Cup questions. If you know, being especially from the international side, if you could make changes to the Presidents Cup, what changes would you like to see made? None. I think it's pretty good. I had a really good experience, so I, I've got no complaints. I've just heard some rumblings from, you know, that, you know, Ernie Els wanted more control over course setup, and I know there's been a lot of changes to how many guys play and stuff like yeah. that. Is there anything that you kind of say, like, hey, we sh- we kind of need this, we would like this? Yeah, I haven't been in a position okay. to, to really know, you know, really what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm just there doing as I'm told, like I said before. So, <laughs> What did you think of when you, when you uh, drew JT? How did that – come about was that something that you would ask for what was the i forget what the order was for <laughs> that the was single. a big spot i mean yeah. you were what like third third or fourth to last guy third last guy yeah and uh, that's kind Leash, of a crucial behind me who went for did was jt put on the board and you were then you were put up or how did that go was it the other way around do you remember i can't remember okay i got a feeling it was him first and then and then i come on second yeah was that someone you told ernie that you wanted or how did that I now mean, it was, was just like i was draw. just waiting for my name I think it was a bit of luck of the draw. Ernie obviously had his analytics, everything that he was involved in, and for whatever reason, I was to go third last. So, yeah, that just kind of fell into place. What's your lasting memory of that week? I don't know. Probably that first tee on the first day was something I'd I'd never forget, even though I wasn't playing, just being around. I think Tiger was the first group out. I think it was Leash and... 
I can't remember. But yeah, it was pretty cool, you know, to have Tiger, Tiger at an event, and you know, Leash and I forget who it was. Anyway, it's and and the crowd was just chanting for Leash. Oh, I mean, oh was, on the first tee on Thursday, yeah. it was Leash and walking Neiman. That's it. That's yeah, right. I yeah. mean, the crowd was going nuts for Leash, the internationals, and to have Tiger standing there, not getting much at all. Uh, <laughs> it's it was pretty be. cool. I mean, because every week, I mean, we see it week in week out. Well, then you guys got off to a fiery start there on Thursday. Was what was the team room like uh, after after Thursday? Yeah, we we dominated that session. I think the U.S. guys were still trying to figure out the course a little bit. Probably jet lagged too, right? Yeah, probably jet lagged. Yeah, we had a few positives on our side, especially starting, you know, starting the week. Back to back Aussie PGA wins. How much do those mean to you? And how big on your priority list is getting? Getting the Aussie Open. Yeah, the Aussie Open, I, I want that one so bad. You know, after that first PGA, I think the following year, I was so determined and so eager to get my hands on the Aussie Open trophy. I think I maybe like went a little bit over the top, like I was a little bit too anxious, almost, almost like overconfident, I guess. That's one that I want. I mean, really bad. The the PGA, the two PGAs down the coast, I mean, that's only 45 minutes away from where I grew up. So, you know, the whole, the club where I grew up, you know, little country club, the whole family's down there. Yeah, it's such a cool week. And, yeah, to win two in a row down there was it was sick. As far as, the, so the 2016 Aussie Open, you versus Spieth and Ashley Hall in a yeah. playoff. What were you thinking in that playoff? The first tee, were you just... Well, I think Jordan was maybe the best player in the world then. Yeah. So, yeah, I was probably thinking, I can't even remember that. Um, <laughs> I remember I remember, I pulled my tee shot. Who I was think. the third? Sorry, Ashley Hall. Ashley Hall, Hall. Ashley Hall yeah. <laughs> he's, another, he's, uh, he's, he's also Australian, correct? Yeah, he's Australian. Yeah. I think yeah. he did a bit of um, Corn Ferry stuff over here as well. Really good player. But it was pretty cool. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I can't even remember. I remember... Uh, Jordan just hit two perfect shots to like 15 feet and then he, you know, Jordan's beef from 15 feet, you never think he's going to miss. So, What do you think of uh, what he's kind of battled for the last couple of years? Is that very, very surprising to you? And do you think, have you played with him at all? Do you have a relationship with Spieth at all? Yeah, I've got to got to know him um, a fair bit, only on the golf course, um, in dining room, stuff like that. But yeah, he's, he's struggling a bit at the moment. I, I, I played with him in Mexico actually only a couple of weeks ago and he wasn't hitting it that great but I mean his putting's still there his short game's still there he just needs to get those those longer clubs you know sorted out um it seems like you know nine through the wedges is still really good it's just those you know off the tee wasn't wasn't that flash if you're if you're making a uh, like a buddy's trip through Australia to play golf what are, what courses are headlining that trip I don't know, to be honest. I, I just I, I enjoy just going out with my buddies and just going to a crappy course, getting on the carts, getting on the beers and having a good time. Are you excited for, for Aussie Open at uh it's at Kingston Heath next year, yeah. correct? Yeah, you got that one year. circled on your or yeah, or I guess yeah. this year now, yeah. Yeah. You I got that one wait. circled on your calendar. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. That that will be um I mean, all those courses in that Sandbird area. I mean you could put a Aussie Open, you could put a President's Cup, you could put a WGC, you could put whatever you want on any one of the golf courses tomorrow, they'd be ready to go. 
I mean, they're just so good. Can we can we start a campaign officially for a WGC in the sand belt? <laughs> How great would <laughs> Have that we be? We not started that. Officially? I'm just saying, can we get you on board? Will you sign our petition? Is what I'm getting at. I think they. I think Metro had a maybe a match play or something down there. You played the the, the World Cup of Golf was was at Metro, right? Yeah, but I think I think the Metro had a. They did one like in early 2000s, four or something, and like nobody that. showed up for it. So I think they okay. got yeah. they got scared that they and they never went. That back. should be. I mean, I'm been beating on this drum incessantly but that should be a the month of december should just be cool it's, it's like aussie golf yeah. season you know what, yeah, that'd be wicked there's an issue that i mean how big of an issue is it i guess the tax rate like in australia i know that's <laughs> people like I'd, I'd, it's a real thing right yeah if, as far as earnings and stuff on courses are they get hit super hard there no yeah i think it's pretty high that's how we I got you to florida if, is it is it worth <laughs> i don't know is it worth coming to play traveling so far and then coming to play a really good golf course, a really good event and then get it taken away. I mean, I've never been in that boat, so I can't really, I'm, it's kind I'm of, just happy to be in Australia. It's like, yeah. it's smaller purse, higher tax rate, longer travel, all that. I yeah, get it's got it. got a lot working God, against golf I think, is good. I, I think if we had, if we had, uh, like Tron said, if we had like four or five weeks in a row where, you know, guys could play, four out of the five weeks, take the family somewhere for a week, and we had some genuinely high purses, I think then we would start to see some golf events maybe. But Did um, you play the Aussie Masters before it went away? Yeah. So it was Aussie Masters, Aussie PGA, and then Aussie Open. Yeah. Like like those three right in a row. Yeah. What was the kind of story on the Aussie Masters? Like who ran that one? What was – and why did that one go by the wayside of – Versus the rest I, of them. I really don't know. That that was a really good event. I only got to play it once, and it was at Kingston Heath, actually. Okay. Yeah, but it's a shame that it went away. Actually, I've played it twice. I played one at Huntingdale as well. It was nice having three events. It was more opportunity to play a great golf course. Yeah, it's, it's a shame that it went away for me. Tell yeah. us about your caddy. You guys... He's, I was gonna say we gotta get to yeah, Pinna here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid. I was afraid. To, I Pinna Pinna. I don't know how you guys say it because your accents Pina. are so. I know. I don't know. Matt, yeah. I was afraid to say it. Matty always says Pinna. Pinna. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, he's he's good. Uh, we we met at a New Zealand Open. He's a New Zealander, so um, he he had a bit of visa trouble uh, back when I first turned pro. Uh, he he needed to re re. Uh, apply for his mm-hmm. US visa and he was home at the time he was actually caddying for Michael Sim in the New Zealand Open and I was just using a local guy uh, Simmy ended up missing the cut and I didn't know what a professional caddy was all about so I asked Simmy if I could borrow his caddy basically for the weekend and he said no worries and the next day at the Hills Golf Club I think in New Zealand we went out and we hit 18 greens <laughs> so that, was fun. A, that was a good <laughs> Good start, and then as soon as I got my card over here, I asked him, and he was raring to do it. It's good. That's, that was impressive. The the we hit eighteen greens. Usually, it's an I <laughs> for the good things, and a we when things go poorly. But was the convo with the with the local guy tough? Like, what what position were you in going into the weekend? Yeah, we were pretty high. It was a tough conversation. He was such a nice guy. It was a hard conversation to have because he was just a local guy. He was. He was caddying in, in the New Zealand Open. He was a local golfer. He thought it was the best thing ever and then um, had to tell him to have the weekend off, which was – it was <laughs> it was hard, but in hindsight, it was probably one of the best things that I ever did. What's your play slash practice routine when you're in Jacksonville? Where do you play? Where do you practice? What's uh, How much do you practice and stuff <laughs> when you're home? 
We've seen uh, you at the no. Jack's Beach Thursday game once before. Yeah. I try to get a little bit in. I probably spend more time in the gym, to be honest, than than uh, at the at the golf club. Today, for example, I went fishing for like five hours and then <laughs> uh, went to the gym and didn't have time for golf. So that that's that was the priority list. What kind of fishing? Shore fishing or inshore? Or uh, we went out Mayport up and down the jetties. Did you uh, go, did you, we uh, got a jet ski. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're fishing off a jet ski, which is good fun. I can't <laughs> wait for something big to jump on. A little, on little uh, redfish or sheep's head or... We didn't catch any. Don't okay. remind me. <laughs> it, was, it was a depressing day. It was good fun though, but... So you're more of a lax mo when you're home than you are... Probably heading into the weekend, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'll, I'll start to um, hit some balls again. I usually... I generally just go out to TPC and just do some short game stuff. Just keep the hands moving and keep the field good. Anybody crash with you for the players next week? I got my trainer coming in. Okay. That's it. Nobody's yeah. setting you up. None of your No, yeah, it's actually okay. quite nice. Last year I think I had uh had two caddies in the house, which was a bit of a uh surprise <laughs> for the for the girlfriend. She <laughs> heard a lot of stuff that she didn't he- hasn't heard before, <laughs> uh, with two caddies in the house. It was fun. How different does does Sawgrass play with the overseed this time of year versus say in the past and then how often do you actually play the course versus just just banging balls on the range try to get out at least once a week and play nine um around there um i don't i feel as though when you get too used to a course you almost know it like too well and you start to see things for what they aren't you start to see some more trouble and like obviously being around the course a lot you hit a lot more bad shots so you're in some areas where you're like it's like you're building unnecessary scar tissue. Yeah, up. basically. So I've tried to play it only nine holes once a week. When I first moved here, I was probably playing three or four times a week. I like getting out in the course. I like that type of practice rather than just standing on the range. And then as far as the conditions go, is it radically yeah. different this time of year versus, say, in the fall or how it used to be in the spring before they were really overseeding? It, it, it has played different, uh, especially, you know, this year it will play quite soft again. We've had a lot of rain um, in Jacksonville. I think we're forecasted for a little bit more at the end of the week. So they're trying to dry it out as much as they can. But this time of year in, in Jacks, is, as you guys know, is so unpredictable. And I'm sure one one year we'll get it firm and fast and everyone that, will love it. With that north wind. We need that yeah. north wind to blow too. Yeah. We haven't talked to any we, Augusta at all here. You were yeah. t- tied for fifth at the 2018 Masters. What, that was your second Masters, is that second, right? Yeah. Well, how different was it playing it for the second time compared to the first time? Yeah, the first the first time around there, I mean, it's like it's like you've dreamed. I, I dreamed about playing around there my whole life, so I've hit every shot like two million times around that golf course. I just remember absolutely shitting myself <laughs> on like 95% of the shots, you know, because you've seen it happen – or on TV, there's always so much. It's always so much drama. It seems like at Augusta, those last you know nine holes, especially, it's so much can happen. And yeah, the second time, the nerves settle down. Um, you get used to the atmosphere, and you just play away. Well, I was gonna say that it's always fun when you shoot thirty on the. I back was gonna <laughs> say you turn at three under par, birdie ten, birdie twelve, birdie thirteen, birdie fourteen, birdie fifteen, birdie seventeen to finish tie for fifth pretty decent (laughs) yeah that was good fun um i actually had like a six footer on 18 as well to for a birdie and i missed it 
And it's still like the most gut, gut-wrenching thing that's ever happened to me. I so so badly wanted to shoot 29 around around there, but... Just a bad read or, or just... Yeah, just a bad read. I hit yeah. a really good putt. Um, I probably blame Pinner for it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was awesome. What, what shot like? scares you the most there at Augusta? Probably that shot on 12. It's just like, it's unlike anything else. It just goes to show that you don't need a par three to be 300 yards for it to be hard. It's like a, it's a nine iron and it's so hard. What makes it so hard? Just It's I, just like the positioning, you don't get a good sense of the wind because like 11 comes down and it looks like when you're on the tee on 12, it looks like 11 is like more away from you where it's like actually like kind of into you a little bit. When it's just for a right-hander, a right miss is probably not going to travel as far and that no, means water yeah. and a left miss goes long and yeah. it's just like a, a nightmare. Yeah. yeah, that green goes, yeah, left you, to right and up. You'd rather be a lefty hitting a shot into that green. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's, no, it's not that big of a secret why lefties have had such great success on that course. Yeah. And then the next tee shot as well. Yeah. And that's a perfect mm-hmm. lefty tee shot this Aim right and cut it as much as you can. What shot suits your eye the most that you just look forward to? And you're like, man, I love, I love, I love, that shot. I love sixteen to those lower pins. Yeah, I mean, oh, it yeah. genu- genuinely feels like you can hold it. Yeah, but did you make a hole in one there? No, no. But Were you in a group with somebody that made a hole in one? I feel like I see you, saw you celebrate it. I could be wrong. You might have been celebrating no. shooting a back nine thirty on Sunday. I guess that, <laughs> yeah. may, that may be my memory, but yeah. What's it like, compare putting those greens to like a normal week on tour. What's different about the greens at Augusta? They've just got so much slope in them and they're fast. They're really... Do they pin those greens differently though than what you would see on the PGA Tour? I mean, I've heard that they're going to put pins on bigger slopes there than they would on a normal PGA Tour style. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Like if it's a windy day or something like that, they'll still be pretty cautious and because the greens are so faster you can't be going you know too crazy i mean there's some holes where like nine if you put that pin too close to the front i mean a group could be there for an hour mm-hmm. so, yeah they never take it too far <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's the amazing part so what do your goals look like year to year like um you know i, I think you made what seven seven or eight cuts in majors in a row like is that always a goal to make make all four cuts in the majors that year or is it Hey, fin- you know, finishing the top. You know, a lot of guys say, "All right, my first and foremost goal is to to get to East Lake." Like, what do your yeah. goals look like? Yeah, I'd say that one's always that's always right at the top of the list. I'd like to get into this top twenty in the world. I haven't quite got there. I've got close a few times and then slipped away. But that one, East Lake. I mean, that's that's really about it. And then when it's Presidents Cup here, I want to be on that team. Now, can we get every President's Cup at Royal Melbourne, please? That would be that would be my request. I think they should they should just go foreign. They should not come back to U.S. I, soil. I'm with you on that too. Every two years, they just go to a different, you know, international site. I doubt uh. the U.S. <laughs> the U.S. based PGA Tour will do that to make that decision, but that would be sweet. But it's so. it's I'm, to drum I'm up, up for it. it's, yeah, it's to it. drum up yeah. interest internationally, right? Yeah. Uh, last question I have: what's what's your any crazy stories from your Asian tour year? Probably none that I can say on the air. <laughs> We're an yeah, hour in. No one's we, listening anymore. We, you, can, yeah, you can bury yeah. any stories you have we, here. Yeah, we had a couple. I never felt like I was unsafe or anything. But, yeah, we had a couple pretty weird nights out. 
about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna let you get out of here, man. Thanks for coming by the uh, the Kill House. You're always welcome anytime we're uh, we're talking golf or watching golf. But uh, we got to make this happen more often. And we need to see you back at the Jack's Beach Thursday game. That's what we really need to see. Yeah, all right. All right. Thanks for coming by. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna come out this week, actually. Uh, we're gonna, gonna be, be gone. Come on. Oh, yeah. What? We're right. heading out of town Thanks, tomorrow. Guys. So, cheers, man. Thank you. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect.